folks, and welcome to another edition of Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects. This is your friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Drawsoff, and as always, I'll be acting as your host. And for an indefinite period of time, I'm going to be doing this show from Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, up in Door County. Nice and quiet up here. The last few weeks has forced musicians all over America and the world to completely restructure their lives. There are many virtual bands and ensembles popping up, and more and more musicians are even sharing their work for the first time with quick smartphone videos. It's beautiful to see all of this love for the craft and sharing that's going on during this time of hardship. Yeah, it is a compromise, but we need to keep the music alive while we hunker down and sort out this pandemic thing. Personally, I find it really heartening to see all this uh, love going on for the music that's being shared out there for what it's worth coming from me got a really interesting show for you today and I want to get to it quickly, but first my usual shout out to the companies that I endorse. I play wedge brass wind mouthpieces on all of my horns from bass trumpet and euphonium all the way up to piccolo trumpet. These mouthpieces are designed and crafted by Dave Harrison up on Gabriola Island in British Columbia, Canada. If you're a brass player, you owe it to yourself to at least try one of these. To find out more, just go to www.wedgemouthpiece.com. I also play gets and trumpets, from bass trumpet to piccolo. Their pro horns are excellent and are very favorably priced for the quality. You get a lot of bang for your bucks with these instruments. They also have the best valves in the business, and they're guaranteed for life. Finally, they're made right in the USA, in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. To find out more, just go to www.getzen.com, that's G-E-T-Z-E-N, or just contact your local music store. All right, let's get to the show. Today, my guest is Canadian trumpeter Troy Dowding. Troy is an extremely busy freelance trumpeter who works mainly in Toronto, though he also tours the U.S. a lot as well. Troy had a great deal to share in our conversation, covering his experience in music education, both as a student and as a teacher. Troy also has built an extremely robust online presence. His main outlets are Facebook, where, among other things, he moderates a group known as Positive Trumpeters Worldwide. He also has tens of thousands of followers on Instagram, a remarkable accomplishment for anyone. He has many out-of-the-box ways of thinking that could trigger some ideas for anyone considering a career in music. Now, Troy does endorse some music products. He plays Trent Austin custom mouthpieces, and um, he plays Adams uh, flugelhorns and divot trumpets. Now, before we get to the interview, let's hear Troy play. First, we'll hear Troy play a nice solo on Take the A-Train with a small uh, combo in a nightclub somewhere up in Canada. And then next, we'll hear him play with a unique group, a little tune known as All of Me. Thank you. 
Okay, folks, uh, I am online here. I am Zooming online uh, up in Canada with a trumpeter, flugelhorn player, and musical entrepreneur, dare I say, Troy Dowding. Troy, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nick. How are you? Okay. Yeah, we clearly have a delay there. <laughs> uh, I'm on a satellite. I don't have cable. So anyway, um, yeah, before we get started, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, is Canada on a lockdown? Where exactly are you? I mean, I see you as a Toronto based trumpeter, but it's, are you near Toronto? Give me a little uh, more <laughs> accurate yeah, location. So, yeah, I, I live in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, I, I'm from Hamilton, Ontario. I've, I've lived here my whole life. Um, which I, so basically I'm about 70 kilometers outside of Toronto, um, which is about, you know, 45 minute to an hour drive. Uh, usually going into Toronto though, uh, it, traffic is always crazy. It's never under two hours going into Toronto. Uh, but you know, when my gigs are over at midnight or 1am, I'm home in about 45 minutes. Oh, Wow. Okay. I guess that's sort of typical of any big city scenario. Are you guys on lockdown up there? I mean, uh, how how are y'all handling this? You know, it's, uh, are we on lockdown? I I don't think we're officially on lockdown. Um, you know, they're advising people to stay at home. Uh, there's, there's a list of essential businesses, uh, that are open, which uh, is actually a pretty extensive list of businesses businesses that are still open. Uh, it's actually kind of blowing my mind how much, how many things are still open and wow. how many people are still out doing stuff. It's, uh, in, in my opinion, Nick, it, it's they're not taking this seriously enough, and it's, yeah. it's really blowing my mind. You know, it's. I think they're waiting too long on all this. I have no idea why we're not on lockdown. I mean, we're almost at 10,000. I think we just broke 10,000 cases in Canada. Wow. Um, which, I mean, you know, compared to other parts of the world, that is very, you know, much lower number. But so I think our lockdown is, is, is probably coming like in a week or two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, Chicago has, they've pretty much locked down. They're actually ticketing people if they catch them out in the parks. Um, I'm, I skulked off yeah. to Surgeon Bay, Wisconsin. So I'm about uh, three and a half hours north of Chicago. It's very rural here and there's nobody around. Right. So it's like I'm living like a hermit on Lake Michigan. Only thing is, there are fishermen. Right. You know, the, 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 the brown trout are running, and so the fishermen are all out there. And I'm seeing them all out in the boats, you know, two or three guys sure. on a boat, and I'm thinking, I don't know, is that cool? I can't tell. It doesn't bother me, but I'm just wondering how cool is that. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we all got to hunker down and wag this thing out and get it get it done, you know. But, anyway, yeah, it's difficult yeah. for us musicians, yeah, man. Like, oh, man, it's, it's really tough. You know, like, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago I had all of my work uh, canceled, uh, until May. Same here. And then just, uh, yesterday. Yeah. Just yesterday, uh, the Toronto or sorry, the Ontario, uh, premier, uh, announced that all, uh, public gatherings, concerts, festivals, uh, of all public events are now canceled until July. Um, oh yeah. Wow. Which I mean, is just it's just blowing my mind it's you know this is this is our busiest time of year and, and yeah most working musicians are, are are just coming out of slow slow time of year and uh you know i mean i i just lost pro you know close to 30 grand in gigs yeah boy that's a lot that's more than me but yeah i've i lost all my work through may and um, I'm a little itchy about the gigs that I still have in June. It makes me a little uncomfortable personally, by virtue of my, how shall I put this, chronological demographic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you know, like yesterday, I basically lost all my work till July. Yeah, that's, and, a, that's you know, rough. I'll be, I'll be surprised. I'll be, surpri- I'll be surprised if we're back working by September. Yeah, probably right. But, you know, this too shall pass. We'll, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Well, anyway, um, let's get to talking more about your work as a musician because that's something that uh, is going to come through yeah. all this. You know, um, Troy, uh, yeah. when did you decide to become a musician? When did it hit you that this is something that you wanted to do, make your life's work? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I started playing trumpet when I was 12. And, 
I always tell people, it's like, you know, I got, I got really serious about it when I was 13. And when I was 13, I was like, I'm going to be a musician. Like, I'm going to play trumpet. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I, I decided from like a young age. And now, you know, I just, I just turned, I just turned 37. So I've been at this uh, 25 years. Wow. Okay. I got you beating the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, though. I started when I was 12 and got serious when I was 13. And it's, it's interesting yep. parallels there. Very, was there somebody? Yeah. Who, was there somebody who influenced you at that age when you were somebody that leapt out to you like this is what I want to try and then go on this is what I want to do? Was there an influence that drove you there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what it was about trumpet that I was drawn to. Uh, no idea. Uh, but when I was twelve, I think I was in like grade six or grade seven. Uh, we had just started playing instruments in school and I wanted to play trumpet. There were too many trumpet players and I got stuck playing the clarinet. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was like, I was not into it at all. And then one day this guy uh, came to my, to my middle school and did a, a clinic and a talk on, uh, on drum corps. I was like, I was like, I'm going to go play trumpet there. And I did. <laughs> and that's kind of how it, how it like started. And, uh, and my first teacher was this, this uh, cat named Darren John, who at the time was a, a student at the uh, University of Toronto, who uh, like ran the horn line. And uh, so I got like really into it. I got really serious about it really quickly. And then he was like, oh, you know, you should go study with this other guy, take trumpet lessons with this guy, uh, Greg Bush, who now teaches uh, out in BC. I think he's on Vancouver Island, Capilano College, maybe. Uh, he runs the program out there. Uh, one of the schools out in BC. Uh, so I started studying with him and he was, for me, he was really, uh, I guess, like instrumental in like uh, helping me. Uh, you know, I learned, I learned, I studied with Greg for, I think about four or five years and uh, he was a really great teacher. I was, I was very fortunate to have a teacher that, uh, that really cared and, and, and really hipped me to a lot of music and, and and like got me started on like improvising and, and things like that uh when i was so young how did your how did your career begin i mean uh what was did you have a big break of some sort that, that really set you about getting your work established yeah i mean i i, I wouldn't say i ever really had like a big break or anything like that um you know i i had like a, a quartet uh in high school uh, and when I think I think I started gigging when I was in like around grade 10 or 11, uh, we used to, uh, play, uh, these two gigs. We played, a we had two steady gigs. We played Friday night, uh, at this, uh, restaurant, uh, slash like dessert kind of bar. And, uh, and then Saturday night we, we had this uh, house gig uh, at this jazz club in town, which was a great gig. And, and that's kind of where I started, uh, gigging so i think i was in like grade 10 or 11 i was probably like 7 16 or 17 um yeah but big breaks i don't think or yeah i don't think there was anything like that okay it's, you know different times for different folks you know what i mean all right one of the things i want to talk about uh that because i think it's really interesting talking to somebody not from america on this you're my first not well i shouldn't say that non-us citizen because we're both americans what am i saying you're, you're from canada and i'm from the united states things are, are from what i understand they're a little different up there what's the union musicians union scenario like in canada uh, i'm kind of curious how as, as to how that compares to what we have down here in the u.s you're smiling yeah i mean uh the uh the union ah uh, god love them um i mean i've been a member of the union for i don't know five to eight years or something like that yeah uh to be honest they don't i i'm only a member of the union because i work in america you know canadians need to have a canadians need to have a work visa to come down to the states and play gigs and it's a nightmare um and you can't get that work visa unless you're in the union. It's literally the only reason why I'm in the union. Uh, okay. I mean, they, they, they do do like my local union here. They do offer some like cool kind of workshops and, and things like that. Um, but is there, 
a point of the union here? I don't know. I'd have to say probably not. You know, most musicians here are not in the union. Yeah. Kind of the way it's working out down in the United States, too. I have, um, I've had friends who worked. Uh, I have one particular friend, uh, a trombone player, Audrey Morrison, who used to play in the Ottawa Symphony. And it's my understanding that Canada has residency requirements for musicians that you have to live there a certain amount of time before they can work, do, take on steady work. Uh, is that, you know, still a thing up there? I have, I have no idea. Uh, I mean, there's very few union gigs, uh, orchestras are union. Okay. Um, theater shows are union. Uh, other than that, I think that's what the only union gigs that we have here. All right. That's, yeah, that's interesting stuff. Are you doing a lot of theater work? Or are you doing mostly small group stuff? I mean, I mostly like play commercial music, There's a lot of pop ah. music, uh, R&B, okay. um, stuff like that. Uh, I was actually just about to, to sub uh, uh, on my first uh, like professional theater show. Uh, I was subbing on lead trumpet. I had oh, about, yeah. uh, I think about 25 uh, booked with it. Uh, the musical was Gypsy. Uh, and it was supposed to start uh, two. It was supposed to start two weeks ago, and now it's looking like it's not going to happen, which is a real drag. That's too bad. You know, yeah, I've been wanting bad. to do like a. I've been I've done lots of musicals, uh, you know, like local theater stuff, but but never any like professional theater work. Uh, and I was really looking forward to that, especially on such a fun show like Gypsy. I mean, that's like a great lead trumpet book. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. It'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah. Um, all right. When you first of all, tell me a little about where you studied. Yeah. You know, what's your What's your music education background like? Yeah. So, um, I, 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 when I was in high school, um, you know, I obviously was going to go to school for music. Uh, I, I'd actually got a, uh, I had actually got a scholarship from uh, IAJE, uh, International oh. Association. International Association of Jazz Educators, which is not around anymore, obviously. Um, and, and they had basically given me a free ride to any college or university of my choice in Canada. Um, and I, I chose to go to, to just the local college in, in my hometown um, because I really wanted to study with the, the trumpet teacher there. The trumpet teacher is uh, Mike Malone. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a great Canadian trumpet player. And uh, he... I had been bugging him for years while I was in high school for lessons. And, uh, <laughs> and both of his sons are actually trumpet players. One of his sons is the same age as me and we would play in bands together when we were kids. And, uh, and so Mike would be at our concerts and things like that. And I'd be like, Mike, like, I really want to come for a lesson. He's like, sorry, I, I only teach at the college. I don't teach, I don't take private students outside of the college. So if you want to <laughs> study with me, you'll, you'll have to come to my college. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I, 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 I just went to the local college and now it, it's, it's the college that I'm teaching at, um, uh, which is, is really kind of, uh, crazy for me. I did. I did, I did one year uh, at Mohawk College, and, uh, you know, it really wasn't for me. Uh, I, I was already gigging a lot, and, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to play. I wasn't really interested in, you know, going to English class or, uh, you know, the history of classical music or all these different courses and things. And, and, and you know, to be honest, man, like, I, I pretty much failed all my classes, and I ended up dropping out. Oh, that happens. Um, I, I ended up... Yeah, I mean, I ended up, uh, it was towards the end of my first year, and uh, I believe it was in, like, March. It was right around my, my 19th birthday. Uh, about two weeks uh, before my 19th birthday, I called up Carnival Cruise Lines, and uh, I did it over the phone audition, and uh, and got the gig, and, and, like, about a month, I think it was, like, in around May, pretty much right when school ended, I, I went out on, and, and, and did a cruise ship and, uh, you know, was planning on just going for the summer and then coming back and continuing on at Mohawk. And I was having such a great time out there and, and learning so much playing with, with, with all these other cats that I, I just decided to not go back to school. And I ended, oh, yeah. up staying, I ended up working on Carnival Cruise Lines for, for six years.
boy. <laughs> In the current context, that's kind of fascinating. You're about the fifth or sixth guy I've done a show with who had significant experience playing on cruise ships. My own son got his, cut his teeth no. playing on cruise ships uh, up and down uh, the Alaskan coastline. And um, I, I just wonder how that's cool. I wonder what sort of industry that's going to be like after we come through all of this. Do you sense that the um, cruise ships were starting to trim the live musicians down and replace them with tracks? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, I mean, that even started, I mean, I've been off cruise ships now for 12 years, 12 years, 13 years. Uh, that had even started when I was out there towards the, towards like my end of uh, my six years out there. When, when I started working on ships, the bands were, uh, I believe they were 10 pieces, uh, two trumpets, trombone, three saxophones, bass, drums, guitars, piano. Wow. Uh, and uh, towards the end, uh, the bands were down to one trumpet, one sax, one trombone, and rhythm section. So there were seven-piece bands. Uh, some of the larger ships still had 10-piece bands, uh, I think for the most part uh, now, uh, most of the ships are using smaller bands. I know like companies like Carnival, there isn't even a show band anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think for, except on a couple of their, their bigger ships. Um, now the show band has basically kind of turned into a lounge band on Carnival. Wow. Uh, I, I, um, I, now I, I went out uh, last year in February and did like an emergency two week fill in for, uh, Royal Caribbean and, and they still had a 10 piece band. Uh, and that was cool. It was, uh, you know, it was nice to see a 10 piece band still out there. Yeah. But you'll, you know, even like, uh, out there, it's like, you're playing the tracks. Yeah. There's, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, the nice thing about the Royal Caribbean ship I was on was, uh, so when I was there about a year ago, uh, there was three production shows and one of the production shows was Greece and uh, there were no tracks. We played it live, which was really cool. Yeah. Okay. Getting back to the idea that our discussion is going to help uh, musicians seeking to consider a way to get into the business themselves. Um, what would you say would be, if you were talking to a kid graduating from college now uh, as a practical musician yourself, what would you say would be the necessary skill sets that they should develop in order to survive in the music business? The, I, my feelings are I don't think colleges necessarily give you all of that. They're a little too specific about just certain types of music and the actual practical things about what it takes to make a living, you know, what would you advise them? This is a really great question. You know, I teach at a college and, and, and I'll be totally honest with you. Like it's pretty frustrating. Um, most colleges teach you how to play either jazz music or classical music, both of which are very hard to make a living doing. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like many colleges are not giving students the tools they need to actually succeed in music. You know, the game is very different now. Uh, I mean, even from like 20 years ago, the game, the game's different. It's, it's completely changed. You know, uh, we're, we're not, we're not, you know, we have, we have college students graduating that, that can, you know, play some tunes, but you know, in, in the real working world, like not many people are, playing jazz <laughs> yeah 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 you know, uh, certainly certainly if you if you want to if you want to make a living playing music which which is not it's it's not easy to do um the people that are, are making a living playing music in my experience are not playing jazz or, or you know like you know there's some classical musicians if they get an orchestra gig or something like that um but you know most most working musicians are are, are jobbing you know we're playing pop music um I'm I'm able I'm able to make a living doing this because you know I play eighty to a hundred weddings slash corporate events a year. Like, would you would you say that again? Because it dropped out for a second there. How many wedding gigs a year? Yeah, I mean I'm playing like eighty to a hundred weddings slash corporate events a year. Wow! Um, and you know, college colleges are pumping kids out of college with 
not knowing this sort of repertoire, like the repertoire that you actually need to know to mm-hmm. be doing. Why are horn players graduating college and they don't know like, you know, the top 100 like jobbing band songs? I think that is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> saying it, blo- that. it blows my mind. Yeah. And, and, and it's true. It I blows think- my mind. And, you know, and, and the other really big thing where I, I, f- I feel like schools are really dropping the ball is like social media. They don't talk about social media. And it blows my mind because it is such a huge part of the music industry now. I am totally on the same page with your train of thought here. I don't think colleges today are specifically teaching the kids things like, how, you know, what's the horn line for Ain't Too Proud to Beg? Or what's the horn line for Dancing in the Streets or things like that? And I, they, they should know that. Or what's the horn line on Bruno Mars tunes and stuff like that? Uh, I really think it's important that that get out there, but that is not part of the music education system in most colleges. They're trying to teach through the art, and they're cranking out literally hundreds and hundreds of people who are very capable at jazz and classical music who don't necessarily know how to get a gig. And that again, so thanks for bringing that out, and that's part of why we're having this discussion. You mentioned social media, and that's one of the things that where I first found you. Yeah. You are all over that. Um, you, it seems like you have built uh, a, a business based on Facebook and Instagram. Can you tell us more about that, please? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so I got I got into the whole social media thing uh, about I think just over three years ago now, um, and you know I, I I always used to be down on social media. I was like, social media, uh-huh. like no way, like this is stupid. <laughs> um, and and I and you know I was I, me and my girlfriend were having dinner one night, and I said to her, I was like, you know, like I don't know what to do, like uh, you know, I'm 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 playing tons of gigs, you know, I'm, I'm super busy working in Toronto. I'm playing all the best paying gigs, but I, I feel like I'm like missing something like that. Like there has to be more to this. Like I'm already p- playing the best paying gigs in Toronto. Like what, sh- I don't know what to do. Like there's gotta be something else. And she's like, she's like, well, why don't you check out Instagram? And I was like, Instagram? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, she's like, you know, like maybe you should, post some videos of yourself playing online and i was like wait i was like you want me to post a video of me playing trumpet on the internet for everybody to see and she's like yeah why not and i was like uh no way like i can't do that i had never posted a video of myself playing on the internet up until really three three and a half years ago <laughs> yeah and uh and so so she's like you know like check it out like you might dig it and i was like okay so i, I download the app on my phone and literally had no idea what I was doing. And uh, I just started posting stuff and, and I got into it. It was, it was cool. Like I was connecting with people that I admired and, and connecting with people that I would never have connected with. And, and, you know, over time, over the last three years, it's kind of turned into this thing. It's, it's really changed my life. It's, it's, it's really, it's really been crazy for me. Um, now, uh, you, uh, I first discovered you on Facebook. Uh, so what, uh, I found you, I think it was on Trumpet Hang. That's where I first spotted your, your work and some of your videos. Now you have, you have your own right. Facebook group that you yeah. sponsor. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So uh, I guess for you know, about the last two years, there was, there was lots of people like saying to me, hey, man, like, why don't you start a Facebook group? Like you should, you know. A lot of people dig what you're doing online on Instagram and, and, you know, have you thought about starting Facebook? It was like, eh, you know, I'm not really into it. There's already a bunch of Facebook groups and I don't really like Facebook. And, and and then I started talking to more people about it and, and all these people were like, yeah, man, you should do it. And so I kind of took, you know, about a year to really think about what kind of Facebook group I would want to have. And, and I, and you know, I was, I was starting to get involved in these other Facebook groups and I was constantly seeing all this, like this negativity online in yeah. these trumpet groups. Uh, and it was really driving me crazy. 
it's like, you know, someone would post a video and then all these people would chime in and be negative on their videos. I had enough. I was like, okay. I was like, my Facebook group, I want it to be absolutely zero negativity. I want everyone to be cool. And, and so I started this Facebook group called Positive Trumpeters Worldwide. I, uh, I got a couple of my other friends that I had met uh, on Instagram involved in it uh, who were like really positive and, 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 and like really into creating content for the internet. And, and, and it started and it started, uh, I think we're coming up on around five months now. And we're we're about to break five thousand. We're about to break five thousand members. It's, oh, terrific! Uh, much quicker than than yeah. I mean, it's it's growing much quicker than I than I thought it would. That's for sure. Um, and 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 to me, it it kind of feels like it kind of feels like a breath of fresh air in the uh, in the online trumpet community. Just having like no negativity and 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 seeing all these people uh, post videos for the first time uh, that have never posted online before. It's it's, it's really great. Who are the administrators of that group? Because I know you're the primary administrator. You kind of created it, but you have several other people you work with who are uh, significant in the trumpet community. If you could share that, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. So there, so uh, the moderators are, are Josh Rezepka, uh, who's a trumpet player in Chicago. Yep. Um, he does a lot of like uh, touring uh, with, with uh, this uh, 50s, 60s rock band, I, I believe it is. Um the other, and then we got uh, Vinny Chiselski, uh, who's based in Nashville. You know, Vinny's won like 25 Grammys. He's recorded with everybody. He's the guy in Nashville. Uh, great, great trumpeter, uh, great human. Um, the other guy is uh, Axel, uh, who plays in the, who, who's from uh, Sweden. He plays in the Oslo Phil harmonic um great trumpet player he's got a, a great instagram account called uh trumpet tips um and the other one is uh armida rivera uh who uh, teaches at a university in mexico who's uh, a great trumpeter and you know super positive and has, has a big uh, you know and all these people have have followings online and and, and I, f- I feel like that this group of moderators you know took me a while to decide on it i probably decide you know took a couple months to to figure who i who i'd want to have do uh, this with me and for me these are like the people that uh seems like the best fit for me they're all great all great players and great people i agree it seems like a really nice crew that you're working with there Um, 
Now let's talk about Instagram. You have tens of thousands of followers yeah. on Instagram, and have you been able to monetize that following as part of your business as a professional musician? Yeah, you see, now here's the funny thing about monetizing on social media. Okay. It's not easy. <laughs> it is totally it is it is it's totally possible to monetize uh, on social media. Um, here's the things that you need to monetize on social media. You need to have a product to sell. <laughs> um, you know, if you if you have products to sell uh, and you have a big following, there is a good chance that people will buy your products. Um, me myself, I mean, I, I don't really have I don't really have any products to sell. <laughs> you know, uh, I was supposed to go into the studio uh, in April to cut my first record. Oh no, uh, that's obviously uh, yeah, that's obviously not happening now. Um, but you know, I, I just got some hats made. I got some shirts. Uh, <laughs> I've sold you know, a couple, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but the one thing where I have been able to monetize on it is just like, you know, I've gotten some recording work out of it from, from people uh, in other parts of the world. Like, Hey, can you put some trumpet on my track? Are you set up a record home? Yeah, I am. Sure. Great. Um, so that's been really cool. Uh, yeah. But have I monetized on it? I mean, no, not really. Okay. Um, you know, eventually one day I will. Um, you know, I think, I think was so, I think, I think there's maybe too many people that are concerned with monetizing their social media where my kind of view on it is just like, I try to like give more than I take. Um, and I think the money eventually will come. Yeah. Uh, but it's not really something I'm, I'm not, I'm not really focusing on like, I must monetize on social media for me. I'm, I'm just about building community. You know, one day I will have a CD. Uh, one day I'll have a book. And and when that time comes, you know, I'll have this big social media following and hopefully some of them will support me and buy my album and, and buy my book. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm not really at the monetizing stage, but it, it is totally possible to monetize on the social media. Well, just kind of strikes me with tens of thousands of followers. You got to be getting close, but you know, also I really sense now. Don't laugh. A very positive vibe here. <laughs> but okay, you can laugh. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I I think you're spot on with the idea about you know let's share the music. Uh, one thing that uh, has struck me about a lot of your yeah. videos, and I'm seeing lots of these uh, when I look at Trumpet Hang or some of the other trumpet groups. Um, uh, and is that it seems like there are just tons and tons of guys posting how to videos how, and you know and you know let's be honest about yeah. two thirds of them are how to hit high notes how to play a double high C and um, uh, I, I I don't see a whole lot of people posting ideas about how to uh, how to implement pentatonics or diminished scales into improvisation uh, but I do see an awful lot of instructional videos yeah. you do a lot of little trumpet tips out there too. Uh, has that bolstered? Do, do you teach online? Do you do online teaching? Yeah, I mean, I certainly try to. <laughs> it's it's really it's 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 really hard. I mean, even with having a big following, uh, I don't do a lot of online teaching. Hmm. Uh, in that regard, the having the big having like a big following has not helped me. Uh, I think we're in an age right now where uh, anything that you want to know, you can Google and you can go to YouTube and there is someone telling you how to do it for free. So why would people give you money? That's kind of my take on it. You know, like you got a lot of people giving a lot of information for free. Uh, so the ones that are hitting me up for lessons are like the ones that, you know, are really into what I'm doing Yeah, and really want to like talk, talk to me about, my thoughts on certain topics and, and like, you know, th those are the kind of people that will hit me up at the, the ones that are like really into like my playing uh, and really uh, want to hear me expand on ideas. But I mean, yeah, I don't get hit up a lot for lessons. Uh, here's, here's a good, uh, I've been, you know, looking for online students uh, recently from the virus, just like everybody else is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone's now teaching online. 
So I, I, I made this post in my Instagram story and uh, about uh, uh, teaching uh, lessons and the rate is pay whatever you can. Um, <clears throat> now I had, I think it was like 1400 people saw this, this post in my story and uh, three people hit me up out of about 1200. Wow. Uh, one guy gave me 30 bucks. Uh, this cat in Italy who's taken a, a couple lessons with me before. Uh, and then two other guys offered me 200 bucks, which was, which really kind of surprised me. And was like, okay, cool. Sweet. Thank you. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, three out of 1200. You raise an interesting point with the, uh, I, the <laughs> fact that people can just Google information and get solid instruction for nothing. To be honest with you, it's why I, it's one of the reasons I abandoned trying to teach online and for that matter, teach in general. Um, if somebody wants to take a lesson from me and drop by the house, they're welcome to do it. I'll tell them anything. I'll do everything I can to yeah. help them. But I am, I just feel, I no longer feel yeah. any interest in putting out my energy to try to develop that when I'm in competition with so much fr free information. Uh, it's, uh, but you know, it's interesting though. Yeah. In our conversation, I'm sensing that, particularly from your positive vibe, uh, that you know we will find a way to make this work. You mentioned the fact that you picked up recording work from your presence online. There's a there's a, a de facto monetization. Yeah. Um, and you may, you may be picking up more jobbing from your work online. I sense that as a de facto, uh, monetization. So yeah, I, I, I applaud your, your efforts and I applaud your sensibilities about, um, keeping this positive in no matter what and keeping an open mind. I think that is huge. Um, yeah, yeah. You know I mean? Like my, my, my whole thing is like, you know, create community. It's, it's so important. So many people don't understand this about social media is that you have to create community. People want to feel like they're part of something. People want to feel like they know you. They want to be part of your community. It's, it's, it's the most important thing. You know, one day I'm, I'm going to have a record and, and, and like, you know, I see so many people putting out records and, and I, I get a lot of, you know, a lot of people email me and message me on Instagram and Facebook about like, what can I do differently? And it's like, stop trying to sell people. They don't even know who you are. Like, you know, so my, my whole th thought process with it is like, okay, I'm going to, you know, build this big following. One day I'm going to have something to sell or some music that people will check out. You know, I see so many cats that release records and they wonder why it doesn't do anything uh, and why it's not getting any streams or listens or downloads or anything like that. And it's like, well, because nobody knows who you are because you haven't taken the time to build the following. Like uh -huh. Building the following is, is, is so important for musicians nowadays. You know, you want people to check out your record? Well, no one's going to check it out if you don't know who you are. We talked about Facebook. We talked about Instagram. How about YouTube? I know you've got a YouTube presence. Uh, I've been watching your stuff. Uh, what do you think of YouTube? How do you use it? I, you know, my man, to be honest, I, I don't really do YouTube. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got a couple videos on YouTube. I haven't really dived into the whole YouTube thing yet because I don't know what kind of content to create for it. I know that I don't want to create instructional videos for YouTube. Um, there's already tons of stuff like that. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, you know, do I want to post like music videos with a band? That'd be great. But like, when am I going to shoot them with my iPhone? Like I shoot all my other videos. Like I don't have a fancy camera. Can't afford a fancy camera. I can't afford to hire a video crew. Uh, that's mm. for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of at this weird place in YouTube where I just don't know what to create for YouTube. Oh, what you've got on there is kind of cool. Because I really I just don't really know what else to do with it. You know, I just don't I don't want to go the instructional uh, route on YouTube. And lots of people have have messaged me on Instagram saying like, Hey, like, can you expand on these? like little tutorial videos that you do on, on Instagram and put like a full video on YouTube. And it's like, I just, I just don't really want to take the time to do that. I'd rather practice. There's already like thousands of cats posting great tutorial videos on YouTube that are edited really well. And I just, I just don't want to put the time into creating that kind of stuff. You know, I'd rather practice. <laughs>
Interesting to talk about practice. Let's get back to a little bit of nuts and bolts about uh, being a musician. How much time do you devote to practice every day? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I got a home like studio here that's soundproof, which is, which is awesome. It's, it's my happy place. I, I spend, you know, uh, at least eight hours a day in here. Um, okay. You know, am I practicing the whole time? No. Uh, but at least like half of that time, you know, I, I, I'm a big firm believer of, 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 you know, rest as long as you play. So I'd say like, you know, horn on, horn on the actual face, like, you know, probably a good four to five hours a day you know pretty much every day i usually i usually take one day off a week um where i don't play if you're getting four or five hours of face time a day in my humble opinion imho you're doing just fine yeah i don't know and, and yeah and, and you know like a lot of people that ask me like oh why do you practice so long it's like well most of my gigs are you know three to five sets still be able to play a double g at the end of the night after uh, after playing four or five hours well i better be conditioned you know like i'm not going to get there practicing two hours a day and then think i can go out and play like a you know four or five sets let's talk a little bit talk a little bit about lead trumpet playing versus jazz trumpet playing uh most of the tracks that we're going to be hearing uh, well we will be hearing from your work on this podcast today are all small group things like one two three musicians um and of course when you're playing that kind of music you're not tearing the paint off the walls you're playing um uh a, a little more uh uh introspective style and that's, that's uh, seems to be a real signature of yours um how how do you uh, differentiate between the the need to be a lead player uh and the need to be an introspective jazz player how do you separate that thinking in your head uh, that's a very good question i i'm not sure like you know i, I i'm i'm 99 of the work i do is lead trumpet work i think i'm like I think I'm a, I think I'm a jazz player with lead trumpet chops. <laughs> you know, I, I've always been a, I've always been a jazzer at heart. You know, I love playing jazz. I don't play any jazz gigs. I, I don't, no one hires me to play jazz gigs. Nobody. I only get called to play high notes. Uh, yeah. Uh, the delay has got to be kind of fun here. Cause I'm laughing as you say that, but um, uh, I, um, uh, Kind of like I feel like we're talking uh, as uh, compadres here because I'm in pretty much the same boat. Uh, <laughs> I I really want you know, when I started really trying to master jazz improvisation. This is 15 plus years ago. Interestingly enough, the time I found uh, I had to spend to learn how to do that helped my chops. So I, all of a sudden, my practicing my yeah. jazz playing, I added a fifth to my range, my usable range, and now all of a sudden, people, oh, yeah, let's put him on, let's have him scream away, let's give him some more meaner to dock things to play. And I'm thinking, can, can I please yeah. play a, a bebop blues or something where I don't have to do all that? Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, I like to do it, but... Yeah, I mean, and you know, like, I, I was, for a long time, I was not a lead player. Uh, you know, I, I struggled with range for a long time. Uh, I didn't start really getting a handle on the lead stuff till I was like probably three years into working on cruise ships. I mean, when I started working on cruise ships, I could, I could play like a D. Uh, I could not play above a D. Uh, high notes never came easy for me. Uh, it was something I, I had to work at for a long time. And then one day, it, it kind of, one day I kind of just had a double G. Uh, it was like someone flipped on a light switch and I could play high notes. Did you change yeah. your aperture? Did you make a switch with the aperture or was it just kind of inadvertent? I, I didn't change anything. Uh, what I did is I, I read the book Effortless Mastery by Kenny Warner. And it, changed the, it changed the way that I was thinking about playing. And it, and, it, and, it, and it really made me believe in myself that I could actually do it. I think for me, the range thing was a mental block. Cause I thought, I thought that high notes were hard. And when I started thinking that high notes were easy, I could all of a sudden play high notes. Like I was doing any like crazy, like, like range building exercises or uh, I was never doing anything like that. I mean, I was obviously working on range exercises and things like that, but for me, it, it was actually believing that I could do it. 
And it's interesting you mentioned that in the context of the Kenny Warner book, because you know, I've read the same book, and uh, a whole lot of that is changing your mental, uh, your state of mind about it. And I, uh, I'm fascinated yeah. that that's what triggered for you. Yeah, you know, and like, like I would, I would, I would, uh, when I was on the ships, I would shed in the uh, in the dancers' dressing rooms because uh, there was no windows and you could turn the lights off and it was totally dark, pitch black. And you know, I would listen to that meditation CD that that came with the book. And I would, I would practice and I would really try and focus on, it was almost like I was having like an out of body experience. It was like, I was picturing myself sitting across the room, listening to someone else play the trumpet. And that's when it like really kind of things started clicking and like opening up. And it was like, you know, I, I could, I could play jazz. I could, you know, I was mainly a, a small group jazz player up until that point. Uh, but when I started shedding in the dark, and uh, that, that's when the game really changed for me. I do most of my practicing without music. I try to do it all from memory as much as possible. I do a little bit of reading, yeah. keep my hand in, but I find that by getting into my head, the things just work better. I'm going to veer the conversation into something that might be a little uncomfortable, um, but I do think it's important. Um, I don't always get to this, but I try to. Um, uh, you're, it sounds like you're playing with a diversity of groups uh, as a you know, live musician when you, know, when you are playing live. Um, do you, how does your experience uh, get touched on by concepts of uh, sexism, ageism, uh, or um, racism? Uh, are you finding... And I, maybe that's not the right words because they all kind of bring a little bit of an edge to them. But um, uh, are you finding that the bands are that you're working with are mixed, or is there a bias one way or the other? I'd say they're all like really mixed. I mean, uh, I mean, racism is definitely a thing, but I mean, in 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 Canada here, like everyone's really cool, man. Like, yeah, you know, the bands are mixed. Uh, the, the the age range is is wide. Um, you know, everyone in Canada is nice. Every, everyone's nice people here. Like, everyone's cool. Everyone gets along. It's I don't know if it's like just a Canadian thing that uh, maybe it's white, and I'm just completely clueless, and I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I sense you're on track with uh, I, that. There may be a different cultural thing with Canada. Um, I mean, I, we I see a certain mix of the bands, but then I do a lot of work with big bands are you playing with big bands much man i haven't played a big band gig in probably like five six years i think about like five years ago four maybe four or five years ago i I basically stopped playing in clubs because i was sick of working for 50 bucks or 100 bucks or if it's a big band 20 bucks i kind of said like okay enough i'm not working for less than like 400 bucks like i'm not i'm not gonna do it and and like you know playing clubs is like pretty rare for me um you know, there's a couple of original projects that I play in uh, that will play clubs every now and then. Um, but yeah, I mean, with this record, uh, playing clubs, uh, my, my goal with this record was to start playing clubs again because, uh, you know, I was, I was getting pretty tired of playing September in Uptown Funk and it was really starting <laughs> to do me in. And I need to start being creative again. <laughs> um and i've been you know i've been working on my singing a lot and uh you know i'm just going to sing on the record uh because i think you know people dig trumpet players that sing and and the kind of the kind of the kind of music that i want to play uh which is like you know like uh you know 1920s kind of swing oh wow Uh, i i love that i love that stuff you know that for me that that's it like i want to sing i want to sing these old standards and and i want to play clubs and and talk to people on microphones and you know yeah yeah uh i'm kind of i'm kind of tired of being a kind of tired of being a side man you know i miss being a front man i haven't been a front man since i was in high school that was, that was a long time ago that was like 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> once again i got you beating the numbers ha 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 but uh all right well, God, let's uh, let's circle back uh, uh, uh to working again um you mentioned that you got your that you're going to be working on your CD, but you know things are on hold because of the the bug running around out there. You also mentioned that you've got asked to do some recordings, remote recordings, you know, as a result of your online presence. Uh, how do you record at home? Uh, 
I see you have an SM57 in front of you. Uh, I can't tell what that is in the background. Yeah. What other, I mean, what, for example, software do you record with on your computer? Yeah. Okay. So I got, I have Logic. Uh, I have not dove into Logic yet. I mean, I've, I've played around with it a little bit. Uh, pretty overwhelmed by Logic and all the options. Uh, I just record in GarageBand. It's very easy. Uh, I have this, uh, this ribbon mic back here from, from Barclay microphones. Uh, they're, they're, ba- they're a company based out of Ireland and it's, it's an incredible ribbon microphone. Um, I use that. Uh, I have an Apogee duet interface and, uh, and, and that's, that's pretty much what I use. Speaking as an engineer, cause that was part of my training. Uh, ribbon mics are super good for trumpets. They're kind of, they're almost like they're made for trumpets. Uh, they can, they, they can take the heat up until I had this, uh, Barclay microphone, uh, I was just using, uh, it was a, an Apex 215 ribbon microphone. Uh, those mics aren't being made anymore. I bought this one used online for, I think, 100, 100 bucks and knew they were only 150 bucks. Uh, but they're a really great ribbon mic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, not, not nearly as nice as, as the Barkley ribbon mic, but uh, for, for a cheap, inexpensive microphone, they're, they're really good. You mentioned, you mentioned Logic Pro. What's interesting, particularly, uh, I assume they're using a Mac computer since you're using GarageBand? Mm-hmm. You know, you know I, I recently discovered that GarageBand and Logic Pro are connected. Uh, you know, if you, I can go into Logic Pro uh-huh. and pull up all those GarageBand loops, and I've been horse around with those loops. I use Logic Pro all the time. And uh, I've been doing some things, you know, right. you know, particularly since I'm now a shut-in, a shut-in before my time, I might add, uh, is that um, uh, I'm finding that I can take all those GarageBand loops and mess around with Logic and then record with it. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting that you have that on yeah. there. And it's also interesting that you use GarageBand. Uh, I think that's something people can uh, take away, too. Yeah, I mean, like like GarageBand, it's it's so easy. It's it's incredibly easy to use. I, I click trumpets, and it's EQ'd really nicely. <laughs> a little bit of reverb and that's it like it's it's like it's you know I, I started messing around with logic and i was just like completely overwhelmed by all the options and i was like oh the, i'm gonna go down a big rabbit hole here and come out like in months or something I, I really got overwhelmed like i'm not good with technology at all like technology hates me uh uh, but one of my goals is definitely to dive into to logic more now that I have all this free time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. Logic is a rabbit hole, but I've been finding, in addition to my kind of, been, uh, I, I seem to know how to scrounge around on that stuff. I've been, you mentioned Googling and getting instruction. There are instructional videos on logic all over the place. I found that they are really helpful. Yeah. I, I, I've been uh, I've been teaching myself Final Cut Pro and uh, and trying to like step up my my video editing skills uh, and I've been watching tons of of, of YouTube tutorials on it uh, and, and they're all really great. It's, it's yeah, good stuff. Uh, We're coming up on the end of our conversation, and one thing I like to finish off with uh, is the, the kind of this last sort of a philosophical question. Uh, you do a lot of teaching. You actually are at a, a faculty at a college up there. If you have a student who's about to walk out your door for the last time and you want to give them some one last piece of advice about, you know, survival and adaptation and survival in the music business nowadays, what would be that piece of advice you would offer them uh, as, as they leave your studio for the last time? Be kind. That's it. Be, be a, be, be a nice person. Uh, you know, it, it, it's so important in the music industry, you know? Uh, and I, I always wasn't a nice person. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't always positive. Uh, I, 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 I like to call it like the dark ages that I went through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's so important. Like just, just be a good person and be nice and, cool. and help people and, and, and always be learning. Troy, I can't thank you enough for doing this today. Uh, great conversation. I, I love your candor, your honesty, and your wisdom that you have to offer people here. Uh, this is going to be a, a great pod. And, man, thanks you for doing this. 
man, thank you so much for asking me. I've, I've never done anything like this, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Be safe, and uh, like you said, be peaceful, be kind. You know, you know, we'll come through this uh, all together. All right, man, peace. Yeah, man. All, all right. right, man, see you. Well, once again, I want to thank Troy Dowding for doing the show today. I've really found it to be a very interesting conversation, some different ways of thinking about uh, the experience of being a professional musician uh, this day and age. Uh want to toot my own horn a little bit. Uh, if you like this podcast, uh, please, please hit subscribe and share it around with your friends. And if you do like this podcast, go back and listen to the archives. This is show number 23. And every other show has got something different to offer, different ways of thinking, ways that overlap. Uh, It's just a really interesting thing to go back and check out every show. So, Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects, subscribe and tell all your friends about it. And if you'd like to find a little bit more about my work as a professional trumpet player, just go to www.nickdrawsdoff.com. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Variable Depositor Ensemble Projects. Uh, until the next time that we get a chance to get, to get together, be kind, be safe, and above all, don't stop the music. Peace. <laughs>